You're listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. We exist to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net. We hope you enjoyed today's teaching. As you're being seated, I invite you to go ahead and uh, grab your Bible or open it up. Hey, good morning, church. Hey, I know like all the, this crazy um, Mother Nature has menopause or something, right? I don't know what's going on. Uh, it's hot and cold and that kind of stuff, but man, it's good to be in the house of the Lord today. We've already had an awesome service together this morning, um, but y'all are my favorite service. Um, if, if there's some people that are at 9 o'clock service too thinking, y'all told, tell, tell me that too. I do. Both of you are my favorite service. Um, my name is Matt, and I'm one of the pastors here at Vintage. If today is your first time worshiping with us, welcome. We are so glad that you're here, and we would, again, love to get to know you. We don't want to hound you. We don't want to pressure you. We're not going to show up at your house with a loaf of bread at, at 9 o'clock at night or anything like that. We just want to say thank you for worshiping with us. We understand that uh, a, a first time at a new church can be kind of complicated, and you're trying to figure this whole thing out. So we'd love to get to know you. Uh, if you would, fill out what we call a response card. You can do that in a couple different ways. You can download our app. We have an app now, and there's a digital form of that card, and also in that, nap, in that app will be some preloaded notes for today's teaching if you want to access that as well. There's also some of those cards on the back table if you want to fill it out, and then please go by the connections tent, the white connections tent that's on the sidewalk as you came in. A couple of our hosting volunteers will be there. They are awesome, beautiful people who just want to say hello to you and would love to just make a personal connection with you and just get to know you. There's a ton of things going on around our church. Uh, if, you, if you're new or maybe you haven't heard this, um, next Sunday we are officially launching a giving initiative called Above and Beyond. And I don't want to spend a ton of time talking about that this morning, but basically what we're trying to do is 2015, we bought land. Throughout 2016, we've been designing a phase one facility for that land because we just believe it's time to kind of move forward as a church onto a permanent campus. It's going to cost us about two and a half million dollars to build that. So our hope is by the end of the year, we're challenging everybody just to, if the Lord would lay it on your heart, to give above and beyond so that we could bank about 175000 extra dollars um, by the end of the year to help kind of cover those expenses and believing that God's going to bless and we're going to grow and we're going to move forward. Um, there's just a lot, probably a lot of questions you have about that. And if, if you would like to hang out with me to hear more about that, tonight is we've been doing these vision events. Tonight is the final opportunity for that. It's at 5 o'clock right across the street in our office space. Uh, you probably may be saying, like, well, why does it cost that much and why are we doing it now and, and why do we need to leave the school anyway? And there's probably a ton of questions. I want to answer all those. So if you would come hang out with me tonight at 5, you can still sign up for that. You can do that online. You can do that through the app. Just to come and hear that vision behind that. One final thing. This Wednesday is what we call Vintage 101. Vintage 101 is for, for those folks who are new at our church. And you want, maybe you're wondering, all right, how do I get connected? How do I get plugged in? What does this church believe? And, and all those details that, that you need to know when you start going to a new church. So the first Wednesday of every month, we do something called Vintage 101. It's a seminar that I get to teach. And it's just a way for you to find out more about our church. So if you would like more information about how to get plugged in and who we are, sign up for that seminar. Again, you can do that through the app or you can also do that online and just stay there's a ton of other things life groups are happening cool things happening around our church um guys doing amazing things amen guys doing amazing things amen oh see that's exciting that's good stuff uh, but today we are finishing up a series that we are calling Home Life. This is the fourth and final installment of that. If you've missed any of, the, any of this series, you can stream it again from those two um, avenues that I mentioned earlier. But this series was born because I just got tired of watching homes fall apart. Uh, it just seems like all around us, and, and you know this, either, either you've experienced it in your own home or the home of a family member, somebody you care about or a neighbor. It just seems like we have an enemy. You know that, right? 
who doesn't like for God to be doing cool things in your life. And so it throws a lot of things at us. And I've just kind of learned that the front lines of that battlefield is our homes. It's our homes. See, the, our, I think our homes are supposed to be something special. I think God created it that way. I mean, the world is insane. Amen. I mean, it's just crazy. I mean, it's just crazy all around. I mean, you think about how much we are just bombarded with stuff that are frustrating and stressful and difficult. And I just feel like when you walk into the threshold of your home, it's supposed to be something special, right? It's supposed to be a haven. It's supposed to be kind of an escape from all that craziness out there where we can be loved unconditionally and we can have support and encouragement and discover things about God and who we are and who he created us to be. And like when you cross that threshold of your front door, what you're walking into should be, is supposed to be something different and powerful than what is experienced outside of it. And so like I look at verses like Isaiah chapter 32, and we've read this verse every single week of this series. Like this is my prayer for my home and for your home. My people will live in peaceful dwelling places, in secure homes, in undisturbed places of rest. Like, that's what I think our homes are supposed to be. Why? Because the Bible says it. That they're supposed to be peaceful, secure, restful. But the reality is, that doesn't describe most homes in our culture. And the scary thing is, we would think that maybe if, if you're a believer, if you know Jesus, if, if scriptures are part of your life and you're seeking God, then maybe your home is that. But what I found is, like, the home of the believer doesn't look very different than the home of somebody who doesn't. That's a scary place to be, church. And so we've been talking about, all right, how do we get to that place where our homes really are what God intended them to be, when they, where they function in a way that God intended them to function, because most of us have never experienced that. And so many of us are not experiencing it right now. And the reality is, like, that, that kind of home, it doesn't just happen. It just is like, poof, wait, you wake up one day, and, and, and it's awesome around here. Matter of fact, if you read verses like this, we've been reading it every week. Proverbs chapter 24, verses 3 and 4. By wisdom a house is built, and through understanding it is established. Through knowledge its rooms are filled with rare and beautiful treasures. In other words, like these homes that God said we could have and we need to have, they just don't magically happen. And so we've been addressing the things that I believe are keeping us from having these kind of homes. And what I found is, you know, every, it seems like every week I sit before a couple whose marriage is like on such thin ice, I don't know if they're going to make it through the end of the week. Through, I sit across from families who there's so much turmoil and chaos and tension happening in that home. Like it, it is far from a peaceful dwelling place. And what I found is there's a lot of common things in each one of the, the situations that end up coming before our church and its pastors. And so we've been trying to just systematically address these things and begin to deal with them. And no, our homes aren't going to be fixed overnight and they're not going to be the places that God wants them to be just magically. But they can be, church. Like, like, it's time for us to start fighting for our homes and fighting for our families and fighting for them to be what they're supposed to be because we need it. You need it. Your kids need it. Your families need it. And so we've been addressing stuff like looking at, you know, what if we actually approached our homes and better yet, all of our relationships? What if we did something crazy and approached our relationships the way bi the Bible says we should? I know that's crazy. But what if we actually just took what Scripture said and like applied it and tried to live it out? And the Bible says a lot about, because homes at their core, they're relationships, right? 
and just approached our relationships. And that's what we talked about week one, is how to, how to have the attitudes and actions that will start moving our homes in the right direction. And then in week two, we talked about the, how do we, conflict. It, like, har- homes are absence of conflict, but God wants us to have harmony in our homes. And to do that, we've got to understand what the conflicts are and where they're coming from. And some are bigger than other, others and start dealing with them. Then last week, we got really real. And we talked about the one thing that will definitely destroy your home is sin. Because that's what sin does, right? Sin is destructive. It ends in death. There is no other destination. And we talked about the two sins that I constantly see wrecking homes are adultery and addiction. And we talked about those and how to deal with them. But today we need to have one more conversation. Because I think it's an important one. And I think it's one that sometimes we're afraid to have because maybe we feel like we're going to leave people out in the room. But there's, there, if our homes are going to be what God intended them to be, there's one more topic we have to dive in. Because I'm going to say another thing that, I, that, that maybe is crazy in our culture. But I firmly believe that in our homes, something really important is supposed to happen. Like in the home is where parenting is supposed to occur. Shocker. Because the reality is, can we all agree? It ain't. Like one of the biggest reasons why our culture is becoming so broken is because of serious absence of parenting within the home. And now let me go ahead and say, there's some people in the room who are always talking about parenting. Like I'm just a kid. I don't need to hear this. I'm going to sleep. You're probably sleeping anyway. But here's what I want you to know. Number one, if you're a child in the room, today I hope you learn what you should expect at your home. What you should expect to be getting from your parents what God has put on their backs as their responsibility. The other thing is, if you're a parent or not, there's a good chance you have somebody that's behind you in the generation to come that you get to influence, that you have a responsibility and an opportunity to impact their lives. And if you have that in any form or fashion, I think today you're going to learn some things that will better equip you for you to have the impact and maybe for you to effectively parent somebody that maybe wasn't your job to parent, but you get the chance to parent in some form or fashion. Because parenting is falling apart, or the lack of parenting. And so much, I, I, and I know it feels like, old, old, I feel like an old man up here on my soapbox, but there's a breakdown in what God intended and the atmosphere that God intended first and foremost to be a place where the next generation gets encouraged and equipped and ready for life. And if you're a parent in the room, you have a huge responsibility. And today, I want you to feel the parenting pressure. I want you to feel it. I want you to own it. I want it, I want it to be so heavy on you that you leave here motivated, inspired to do something different. And with parenting comes, it comes a lot of pressure. There's a lot of pressure with being a parent. It's overwhelming. I mean, I don't know, I don't know what I thought parenting was going to be like, but it ain't it. I mean, it's crazy. I mean, and, and you know, it's funny. Like when, when, before you have your first child, all that kind of stuff, you're all excited and you're going to baby showers and it's pretty and your little wife's getting a little baby bump and it's all fun. That child comes and you don't sleep for three years. And you deal with gross nastiness like you can't even fathom. 
I have twins, so as you don't know, they're, they're, they'll be nine in June, Aiden and Leah, they're awesome, it, a long story to get them here, but I never, when, when, when they were born, uh, they were born premature, and so uh, they, my, my son had some breathing issues and ended up spending some time in the NICU, and we went home without him, and so like we went home with just Leah, so those of you who have kids one at a time, shut up, that's easy. <laughs> I don't want to hear it. But our, the first night, so we, we finally bring Aiden home, and like it's starting to change, and, and, the, and, and this is going to be a graphic story, disclaimer, okay? Welcome to Venice Church. Uh, we get home, and it's probably about 3 o'clock in the morning, and I can hear one or both of them through the baby monitor crying and all that kind of stuff, and I'm the good husband. Babe, I got this. You sleep. You've given birth to twins. I got this. So I go, into the, I go into the room, and I can tell it's, a, it's Aiden, and he's, he's got a dirty diaper, really dirty diaper. So I get him up. I get him on the changing table. I get his diaper off, and I'm starting to kind of get him cleaned up. And it turns out he wasn't done. <laughs> so I'm standing there just holding his legs like this, like, okay. Then all of a sudden, boom, full stream right in the eye. <laughs> So I tilt him toward the wall. And I'm sitting there thinking, yeah, he's peeing on the wall, right? <laughs> Within 30 seconds, projectile vomit. Blip, right out of the wall. So you know what I did? <laughs> Ashley! <laughs> and I'm thinking, why do people do this? This is insane. And you know, when, when we first brought them home, man, we got, I mean, we're adjusting to being parents, and we're thinking, you know, we had, we had no clue what we were doing and trying to figure it out, and here it is, you know, eight years later, and we have no clue what we're doing, and, and it feels like they're heading down to the teenage years sooner, and I'm having conversations, and, you know, my kids, they're in, in, in school and in public school, and we kind of intentionally do that, and then think, we think they're missionaries there, sorry, it's just kind of our approach. They take Jesus into that school every day. Um, Taking God out of schools, that can't happen as long as they're believing children walking into a school. Come on. And so we, we're just having hard time, and the pressure that begins to grow. And like if you're, if you're a parent of a teenager, one-way ticket to Mexico, that's all I can think of. I don't know. It's, it's the pressure for it is hard, and you feel it, and you feel the weight, and you feel that responsibility. But I'm just reminded, like Scripture kind of, Scripture told us this. And I don't know what we, what we think. We just think we're going to have kids, and they're just going to do that. But Psalm 127.3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Now, I know there's moments that doesn't feel true. But then you look at verses like Proverbs 22.6, start your children off on the way they should go, and even when they are old, they will not turn from it. And now you read that verse, and don't, that, don't you feel the pressure? And now, sometimes we've misunderstood this, like almost like Solomon was saying, if you start them off right in the beginning, they're going to be great. That's not what I think Solomon was saying. What I'm saying is, is the sooner you can start to get it right as best you can as a parent, the better. Like as soon as you can start instilling, instilling in them the right things and the right principles and, and, and the right biblical worldview and all the, like the sooner you can begin to make an impact for them, for God's glory, the better. But with that comes a lot of pressure, Amen. And I want, but I don't, I, I want you to feel that this morning. I, I don't want that to be lost. And again, you think I'm not a parent, but you, again, there's some, there's people in this room that you have somebody in your life that they need you to 
fill that role in some form or fashion to a degree. To be an influencer of the next generation, helping them to understand what it knows. There's so many people in the room, man, your teachers, your coaches, you have a platform that I hope you see that God didn't give you that just so they can learn a specific subject or a sport, but so that you can leverage that position of influence to point them into a direction of a loving God. And the sooner that you can do that, the better chance we got. I want you to feel that pressure. I want you to feel that pressure. Because when you begin to feel that pressure, you'll be, uh, begin to, to start to figure out there are certain parenting principles that need to drive your life. There are parenting principles that you need to adopt and, and adapt to your home and to your family and in that place that you call home. There needs to be some principles that drive that parenting philosophy. And now there's a tons of them that we could go over. And my job, I'm not here to tell you how to parent today, but I want to share with you some parenting principles that God has really, really been teaching me over the last several years. Some principles that are, that are not going to be easy to adopt, but I want you to wrestle with maybe some of these things need to, to be put in your home to improve your home life, to make sure that we are parenting the way that God has called us to. The first thing is this. I can't be a perfect parent, but I can be a praying parent. You need to hear that. See, you're going you're to fail. Amen, somebody. There's going to be times you don't get it right. There is no, there's two things that I know don't exist. Marriage expert or parenting expert. They, they ain't real. Those people ain't real. Ain't no such thing. You can't be an expert on those two subjects. You can't be a perfect parent. And the person I want you to feel is not the person to be a perfect parent. You can't be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. And God has been putting on my heart so much more and more lately to pray over my kids. If you, belie if you believe in prayer, if you understand prayer, to be praying over your kids constantly, to be speaking truth over them, speaking provision over them, that you pray for and over them constantly. Because here's the reality, you can't be a perfect parent, and whether you want to believe it or not, uh, let me let you on another little secret. Like, you can't constantly follow them around. And you can lock them in the basement, but that ain't fun, and I'm pretty sure it's illegal. So, like, you're not always going to be there. Come on. Like, as, as hard as that is for us to get, there's times that we can't protect them from everything. The world eventually is going to get to them. And that's why it's so important that we pray prayers of protection and provision over their lives. Because even when they're out of your reach, they are not out of the reach of a lovingly heavenly father who can constantly speak into them. They are not in any place where the Holy Spirit can't get to them and bring truth and conviction and words. You know how many times I was in places I wasn't supposed to be and the Holy Spirit in the form of my mama's voice was in my head? For a long time, I thought the Holy Spirit sounded like Joanne Smith because that's all I heard in my head. There's times when the Holy Spirit can speak into them and that's why we pray and pray over them. You know, it's got to where anymore, like, you know, I'm not worried about the, what the world's going to throw at my children. Because the more and more I read scripture I'm, and the more and more I live this life, the world's going to throw all kinds of stuff at us. But my job is to equip them and pray for them and put the Holy Spirit over their lives so that when it comes, they're ready for it. 
And one of the things I've been doing more and more is praying scripture over my kids. Like actually, you know how many prayers are in the Bible? Just read through how many, especially the, the letters that Paul wrote. He, he always says, like, this is what I've been praying for you, church. This is what I've been praying over the people that are connected to this body. This is what I've been praying for. And there's one in Colossians that I've been praying for more and more over my children. This is, this is a prayer that I pray over Aiden and Leah. Colossians chapter 1, verse 9. For this reason, since the day we heard about you, we have not stopped praying for you. I tell my time, hey, the moment we found out that mommy was pregnant with you guys, we started praying for you. And even before that, we were praying for you. We were praying for you before we even knew you were coming. And then he said something specifically. We continually ask God to fill you with the knowledge of his will through all the wisdom and understanding that the Spirit gives so that you may live a life worthy of the Lord and please him in every way bearing fruit in every good work, growing in the knowledge of God, being strengthened with power according to his glorious might so that you may have great endurance and patience and giving joyful thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in his inheritance of his holy people in the kingdom of light. What an awesome prayer to pray over our children. Did you just hear those words? I just pray that over them as I'm praying for them on that. You can't be a perfect parent, but you can be a praying parent. Second thing, principle that God's been teaching me. My kids need me to be present in as much as provide for. Now, I think, and maybe I'm jumping to a conclusion, that the men of the room need to hear that detail very, very, very clearly. My kids need me to be present in as much as provide for. Because I think we get into this mode where, like, especially for us guys, like the best thing I can do is provide for my family, give them a nice home, put a roof over their head, give them clothes and put food on the table and get ready because when, when our kids go to college, it's going to be $3.2 billion, I'm telling you. That's just the way it's going. And so we have this need to provide. And then we even look at verses like 1 Timothy chapter 5, verse 8. Anyone who does not provide for their relatives, and especially for their own household, has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. We need to provide for our kids. But you know what? I've discovered that my kids need me to be present in as much as provide for. Like, they need me to be there. They need me to be there. That if I'm providing for, and in the process of trying to do that, I'm absent in, I'm failing them as a father. They need me to be there. They need me, my son needs me to be there. When he is playing basketball, and he makes a shot, a shot, and the first place he looks is to make sure that I saw it. Every time, every time he shoots, as soon as he shoots and he makes it, boom, he's looking, did daddy see it? And I don't want him to go through life looking in an empty seat. Believe it or not, and I know you can, oh, so there's moments where it needs to be the four of us sitting at a table, having a meal without phones and iPads or the television and actually saying, how was your day? What's going on in your life? And now they're going to talk about stuff that interests you in no way. That you don't even understand. I hate Pokemon. <laughs> I hate it. But you know what? I love my son. And when you love somebody, you learn to love what they love. 
If you'd have told me that there would be, once a year, you spend four hours at a dance recital, I would have asked you, who is holding the gun? <laughs> but now every year, I get to watch my beautiful little girl do her thing at her dance recital. And I love it. And I don't miss it. You know why? Because you, you, can, you can make more money, but you don't get moments back. You only get certain opportunities when your child has gone through something difficult and it's fresh in their heart and mind and they need a conversation to encourage them and to teach them and to instruct them. My kids need me to be present in as much as provide for. I think that's why the psalmist was trying to say in, verse, in chapter 90, verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may gain a heart of wisdom because these times are fleeting. My kids need me to be present in as much as provide for. We have to make time. The next thing. My kids need my leadership more than my friendship. My kids need my leadership more than my friendship. Your job is not to be their friend. Your job is to be their mama or their daddy. And sometimes, if the friendship has blurred too much, it makes one completely impossible. Come on. I've actually, the other day I heard somebody, kids acting out and, and parents need to do something. I, I would, but I'm afraid they'll get mad at me. What? I'm thinking, you need to whoop his tail. That's what you need to do. Like, I know we live in that culture sometimes, and maybe I'm stepping on some toes. Forgive me. But your kids need your leadership more than your friendship. They need you to be the spiritual leader of your household. That means you take the lead. You know what? You want your kids to be in love with Jesus? Then maybe you need to be in love with Jesus. You want your kids to know and understand God's word? Then maybe you need to spend time knowing and understanding God's word. You want your kids to be kids who passionately pursue Jesus for the rest of their life? Then you need to model that before them in a way they can see it and understand it. And you know what? The church is only a partner with you in developing them into who God's called them to be. It is not the church's job or the school's job or the coach's job to do what God ordained to be your job. We, th we love partnering. And you know what? We, we, we're constantly figuring out how to do a better job of serving our families. We're constantly, Sananda, who leads our children's ministry, does an amazing job back there. I'm grateful that my kids get to grow up under her ministry doing amazing things and her team back there serving. And you know what? Preston, who leads our, our student ministry, we're constantly trying to figure it out. And matter of fact, we're in a place right now with our student ministry. We're about to completely overhaul it and revamp it, and we need your help. We need to find out how we can best serve your students. If you're in here and you're a parent of a 6th to 12th grader, we want to hear from you. Matter of fact, we've already begun to plan some meetings. Our first one is this Thursday night. At 7 o'clock, if you're a parent of a middle school or high schooler, would you come out this Thursday night at 7 o'clock, meet us across the street at our offices? We want to have a conversation with you that basically just says, how can we serve you? How can we serve your families? How can we structure our student ministry in such a way that we meet the needs of your student that gives them what they need in the midst of what they're going through right now? We want to partner with you. But you've got to understand that it's a partnership. Like if the only God your kids are getting is what we're giving them, it will never be enough. 
means you got to have conversations. You got to talk to them about the word. You got to have those uncomfortable, hard conversations. But again, look at Scripture, Deuteronomy chapter 11. Remember this? Fix these words of mine in your hearts and minds. Tie them as symbols on your hands and bind them on your foreheads. Uh, Teach them to your children, talking about them when you sit at home and when you walk along the road, when you lie down and when you get up. Write them on the door frames of your houses and on your gates. Do you see this model of leadership that's embedded in those verses? It doesn't say, take them to church and hope they get everything they need. It says, while you're sitting at home around the table, are you even sitting at home around a table? Oh, Matt, that's old school. That's scripture. That, that, that's so old. That's Old Testament. Maybe it works. It says, while you're going along, while you're walking along the road, while you're doing life with your family, to make sure that you're injecting those moments of spiritual conversation to tell them about who God is and what he means to them and what he's done for them and what he wants for their life and their purpose and understanding all that he created them to be. And again, if you're here, I'm not a parent. You have somebody in your life that you need to be doing this for and with. It's a brother. It's a nephew. It's a stranger. It's a student minister. Some of you guys, you need to volunteer in kids' ministry and make a difference in the life of a child. Or you need to serve with our youth ministry team and make a difference in the life of a student. I don't have time. Our generation is not important. My kids need my leadership more than my friendship, which means I'm going to have to do hard things. You know Proverbs 13, 24, whoever spares the rod hates their children, but the one who loves their children is careful to discipline them. It's painful. I was fortunate. I grew up with parents. Oh, they disciplined me. But you know what? I can't ever remember a time when my parents dealt out discipline when we didn't know why. They always had a conversation. This is what we're doing, and this is why we're doing it. They never just arbitrarily said, this is, this is your punishment without walking us through why they were dealing that out, why it was necessary, and what they hoped we learned from it. It took a lot of extra effort, but that's what parenting is, amen? One final thing. Raising adults who surrender leads to adults who are successful. Let me unpack that. Raising kids, raising adults who surrender leads to adults who are successful. See, I know it can be really easy in the culture that we live and the pressure that we have that we focus so much on their worldly success that we think we want to equip them so they can make enough money. And sometimes we feel that pressure. We want to make sure they're successful. And by successful, in our mind, we think so they can make enough money to pay their bills and do all these other kinds of things. And somewhere along the way, it becomes this worldly view of what it means to be success. And along the way, we've left out what it means to surrender to God. And what I've figured out in my life is the more I surrender in obedience to my Heavenly Father, the more successful I become. Maybe not by the world standards and money and that kind of stuff, but the more fulfilled and significant my life becomes, the more I surrender to my Heavenly Father. And I want to raise kids who everything they do is filtered through prayer and Scripture and understanding that their number one job, their number one goal in life is not to end life with a bunch of money in the bank, but to be fully, completely obedient to their God. Because I believe that adults who surrender are adults who are successful. I believe verses like James chapter 4, verse 10, humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Proverbs 16, 3, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. There's some parenting principles. 
that God's been teaching me that I think are making a difference in my life. And no, I'm not perfect. No, I'm not getting it right. And man, do we have a lot ahead of us. But outside the parenting pressure and outside the parenting uh, uh, principles, there's one final thing I want to mention. That's the parenting pain. That That we can't have this conversation without acknowledging the parenting pain. And there's nothing more painful as a parent than to watch that child that you love deeply and sincerely continue to move away from God and make decisions that you know are destructive. If you've been in the room, if you're in the room and you've been through it, will you please say amen? There's not, there's not a more painful thing as a parent than to watch, or, or even not a parent, as a, as a believer, there's, there's not anything more frustrating and discouraging than to watch somebody you genuinely, sincerely love continually making decisions that you know are destructive. To watch somebody you deeply love head down a path that you know, you can see it coming, and you know it's not going to end well. To watch them walk away from faith and belief in God and to experience all kinds of hurt. But there's nothing more painful as a parent. And I just want to take a moment and to address those people that are in the room today and you're feeling that parenting pain. Number one, you need to know this. Take responsibility for what you can control. But don't feel guilt for what you can't. Do you hear me? Take responsibility for what you can control, but don't feel guilt for what you can't. Because see, here's what you want to do. You want to blame yourself. As they go wayward, as they make these bad decisions, if they, as they withdraw from God and they go down a destructive path, your natural tendency as a parent is to think, what did I do wrong? Where did I mess up? What did I miss? And I would submit to you even that you can do almost everything right and they can still go wrong. Take responsibility for what you can control, but don't feel guilt for what you can't. The other thing I want to remind you of, they are never too far gone. They are never outside the reach of your Heavenly Father. God is continuing to fight for their salvation and their health. And even though you can't reach them, God can. I'm reminded of verses like Isaiah 59.1. Surely the arm of the Lord is not too short to save, nor his ear too dull to hear. Isn't that good? His ear is hearing your prayers as you pray for them, and his arm can still reach them where they are. And even though you don't know what's going on with them, even though maybe they're shutting you out, even though they don't want nothing to do with you, they, want, they don't want to hear it from you anymore, and they're completely shutting you out, God still sees everything that they're doing. He's watching over them, and he is fighting for them. Psalm 139 reminds us that you have searched me, Lord, and you know me. You know when I sit and when I rise. You perceive my, my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my laying down. You are familiar with all my ways church the home was established to be where parenting happens we need to feel that pressure we need to be driven by some specific principles and we need to deal with the pain so today we're just going to finish this time together worshiping and praying for our families or for that generation that's behind you that you're investing in 
And so in just a moment, we're going to worship. And I want you to do something. Maybe, maybe you're here today, and, and, and you're a family. You're, you're a mom and a dad, a husband and a wife. And today, you want to come, and you want to kneel around this platform, turn it into an altar, and just say a prayer together as a family for your children. Or maybe you're here today, and, and, and you've got that wayward child, and you're just struggling, and you're hurting, and you're feeling that pain, and you just want to come and give God that pain. Or maybe you're here today, and you're that wayward child. And you just happen to be here for some strange reason today. And God's speaking into your heart, and he's calling you home. And he's calling you back to him. And he's offering you grace and forgiveness and mercy and an opportunity today to turn back towards him and start following him once again and begin to reconcile with your parents. I don't know where you are, but can we just do some work this morning? Let's stand together. And I'm going to pray for us. I'm just going to ask you to come and kneel and pray if you feel led. Pray where you are just to let God speak into your life. Would you bow your heads, close your eyes with me? God, we know that you're in control. That, God, we can't control our kids. We can't control the decisions they make. We can't control what they're going to do with what we give them. So, God, today we just declare our dependence on you. And we confess that we are de- going to do everything that we can through the power of your spirit to be who you've called us to be into the lives of the next generation. But, God, I pray that right now, as we look to you and as we worship you, that you would do work in this room and that people would find hope and peace and strength in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. For more information, please visit our website at vintagechurch.net.